In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what are business email compromise attacks? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what are BEC attacks? Joining me today to help answer this question is Steve Reagan. Senior staff writer at CSO Online and editor of Salted Hash. Steve, how are you? I'm good, Tim. How are you, man? Good. So I think we need to set context here. What is a BEC attack? So BEC is an acronym, Business Email Compromise. And a BEC attack, there, there are multiple levels. It could be credential harvesting or they're trying to rob your company blind through finances. But they're essentially... Um, Think of them as, as clever and crafty, more like a more focused phishing attack. Now, some are really generic and they absolutely suck, but some are clever and they're, they, they really do work. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me. I could look these up while you and I start talking, but I do believe BEC attacks uh, are responsible for quite a hefty sum of uh, losses. And I've been covering them here Oh, on and off for the last year or so because I have personally been targeted by some BEC attacks uh, from a group that's coming from Nigeria. And I'll tell you what, uh, some are clever and some were just unbelievably stupid. Like you, you just don't really get it. And it, it, a little bit of everything in between. And that's that's what you were writing about back in what, like, I think it was like the fall of last year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the fall of last year is when the attacks started uh, targeting me directly. Um, oh, I have those facts here now that I pulled up my notes since you asked about <laughs> last fall. <laughs> uh, the uh, Internet Crime and Complaint Center, the IC3, that's uh, the FBI, uh, noticed that since 2015, there has been a 1,300% increase in identified exposed losses. So BEC attacks are now responsible for about $3 billion in losses countrywide. So that's not an insignificant number. Now, in my particular case, they were not trying to get money. What they were doing was trying to get my credentials. And how their particular attack works is they compromise one employee, and then they target that employee's address book. And on top of that, they'll set rules in that employee's email box. So if you email them back and you say, hey, this is phishing, they'll never see your email. It'll get read and deleted automatically. Um, and then they've, they've got a couple other rules that you know are supposed to help avoid IT security and things like that so that they can stay in control of that email box longer. Um, the way they send these emails out to you, sometimes they're – uh, there's a link you've got to click in the email or it looks like there's an attachment and you go to open the attachment and it automatically forwards your browser to, you know, their landing page. Or sometimes it's a, a it looks like a really fancy Excel file and it's got like this shadow Dropbox that's asking for your credentials. And when you click on it, that opens your browser and you go to their landing page. So it's not overly sophisticated. Um, they're using some pretty open, common open source tools for templating and things like that. But it is enough to where if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, you could easily fall for this, especially if it is your routine 
to open attachments, follow links and stuff like this, you know, during your daily work life. So think of it as like, you know, HR um, would see these types of attachments all the time. Journalists would see these types of attachments all the time. Teachers, educators. Um, I've seen victims of these scams go from Fortune 500 companies all the way down to mom and pop brick and mortar stores. There is no real focus here. They, they go after what they can. Um, in our case, we know that they scraped a bunch of emails from public sources and went after them. And without giving too much of away, too much away about how I defend myself, I will say that the email address they use and continue to use to this day, mind you, they're not done. Every time they send that, the, the phishing email to me, it comes to the wrong address. I have an address that is specifically public that I use just for phishing. So that's how you can tell when they're starting to scrape. And because of the age of that email address, it's now on several lists that get circulated and sold and things like this. So it's a, it's a really neat, uh, a neat way for me to track things like evolving minor scams and stuff. Cause we're not dealing with nation state fishing here. We're talking about a couple of criminals who bought a kid on online and now they're trying their luck. Right. And what, so what are they doing with these creds once they get them? So like I said earlier, uh, once they compromise your box, they take over your, your address book and then they send that email out to everybody you've ever contacted. And the best part is, is because, you know, a, a lot of company, best part for them, I should say, a lot of companies deal with, you know, people internally and externally. Well, when they take your address book, that's how it spreads between companies. It may start at Acme Corp, but because Acme Corp has internal contacts and knows people at Beta and Gamma Corp, well, now all three companies are being hit by this scam. Right. So, I mean, but like, do they sell the creds or? Sometimes, yeah. They, they run their, they, they try to run them as long as they can, and then eventually they do sell them. Um, but you got to remember, email credentials, like even for O365, they sell for pennies. Uh, they're not, once they've been compromised, and if the compromise has been known, those passwords aren't really going to, to change. So you look for, you know, criminals will look for what's called verified lists. These are non-duplicate lists that, you know, it's been verified that the username and password works and you buy them in like blocks of a hundred. And then usually what happens is if you email the seller and it's like, Hey, I tried this and it didn't work. They give you another one for free. They just replace it. You know, it's, it's kind of like um, back in the day when they were swapping credit cards you remember you'd buy like a list of fools and then, you know, you'd see the ads that says if one doesn't work, we replace it. It's the same principle. Only these are O three sixty five accounts that they're trading. So I guess like they're pretty limited then in what they can do with the creds. I, I kind of thought that they might like someone might take these creds and try to use it to like log into a company and see what data they could get to. They absolutely do in some cases. Now, the group that has been coming after me shows no sign of being that advanced. However, the crimes that have been reported to the FBI absolutely do this. What will happen is they'll, they'll compromise that initial account and then they hit up the internal address book. So they're only hitting people within your own company. And then they poke around because if it's 0365 and you have um, SharePoint running, those credentials will work. And so they will poke around in the shared folders and drives and look around and see what's there. And then that's where you see like, you know, Hey, uh, Hey Tim, this is Steve. Listen, I'm out of town. We've got to send these W2s out. Can you just send them all to me real quick? And now you're sending me W2s tax fraud. Hey, by the way, we just started a new client in China. Can you wire this address? Here's the amount you need to wire. Here's all the details. Let me know when this is done. 
wire fraud. These things have happened. And it all starts from the same basic uh, principle here that they send you an initial email that says, so-and-so has edited a document, click here to read it. Um, I got one that, that was, um, it was actually a press release. And it made sense because they knew they were targeting a media organization. But, you know, again, they were just looking for credentials. But yeah, if you have a lot of shared resources, they will target that stuff. Don't, don't think they won't. So let's, let's talk about detection real quick. Um, I guess, are you seeing a lot of people like it to me, if, if you're going to detect it, when you send it to internal, you're really relying on people reporting that. Yeah, you truly are. Um, and that's a double-edged sword here. It's literally a curse and a blessing. So, you know, if people spot it and they report it, but they don't tell you since you sent it to me, they report it to IT, then there's a way to get some flags raised and you might be able to take care of it. But if they just email you back and they say, you know, hey, hey, Steve, you, this, this looks like a phishing email and it came from your account. Have you been compromised? And that's it. Well, because of the rules in that inbox, I'll never see that message. So there, there's like a, a serious breakdown in reporting there that needs to be addressed. I think another thing when it comes to detection is, you know, companies need to spend a lot of time talking about what normal looks like. Uh, one of the emails I got pretended to be from IT, and it warned me that my email password was about to expire. And if I didn't change it right now and set my new password, I was going to lose access to all of my emails. Well, that's not how our IT department works. That's just not what normal is. So that kind of messaging stood out immediately as to being a, a, a fake attempt to do something. But what if, and again, you know, if you're in a hurry and you're not paying attention, what if the mere thought of, you know, your password's expiring is as far as you got in that email and you're like, oh, damn, it's time to change my password again, and you click on it. You see what the habit of normal password changing has done for people? Because that's exactly what happened at a small, small business. They got as far as your password's about to change. They had been conditioned to change their password every month or every, every other month or something. So it didn't blink. They didn't blink twice. It was normal for them to change their password. That's what IT does. So they clicked on it and they got compromised. So it's, it's a thing to where stressing what normal looks like, I think is a really big key in detecting a lot of these scams, particularly from that group that's coming out of Nigeria. <laughs> yeah, I, I could also see where... Um if they're sending out like a ton of email, it, it seems like they're doing it all at once. And so they do, um, they don't really stagger their emails out, but the interesting thing is, is, uh, in some of the victims that I was able to talk to, there's no logging. So they're not seeing these massive bulk blasts, even though that's exactly what's happening. The way they knew was when somebody reported to it, like, Hey, we just got, you know, like everybody just got this email. In one mm. case, uh, the email went to somebody in IT. And so they're like, well, this is strange. How did this come to me? And so they looked at the server logs and saw that they like everybody in the company had gotten that, like 75 people within an hour. And they were like, okay, that's, that's not good. And that's how they started running it down. So it's, you know, vigilance and, and vigilance plays a, a really big role in this. But again, it's learning to spot what's normal and what's not. Okay. So how, um, how can someone defend against this? Like try to prevent it? 
So again, uh, I know I'm sounding like a broken record at this point, but knowing what's normal. Um, your IT department never needs to ask you to reset your password. If they need your password reset, they're more than capable of doing it. In fact, it's preferable. Um, normally, when your email address is about to, ex or your email password or something like that on the network's about to expire, there's a, a, a way IT handles this. And you will see the notifications. And a lot of time, that notification never comes through email. It's actually a system alert. You will see a little bubble that pops up at the bottom right hand of your screen that says, you know, your credentials will expire, you know, X amount. Press control out to leave to reset your password. You'll see things like that in a, a medium to large environment. Um, IT is never really going to ask you to open or to send them forms or any kind of sense of information. They, again, they don't need it. They know where it resides on the network. If they want to access it, they can. Um, I think also defending yourself against like the, the money-based BEC attacks, uh, stop sending sensitive information via email. That should never happen within a company, and, and unfortunately it happens all the time. That's why these attacks are working. Um, and if that's not something that can be done or that that's a, a kind of a culture that can't be changed easily within your environment, then why not set up a thing to where it's, it's okay to challenge? If you get an email from your CEO that says, send me W2 records, call the CEO on the phone and say, did you just ask for this? Then deal with it. There's a check and balance system going on there. It should also be, if it's really sensitive information like wire transfers and, you know, tax records or even in, in sensitive, uh, you know, sales cycle information, things like that, that would give a competitor a, a, a huge advantage. Have a check and balance to where two people have to sign off on this information being shared or sent around. You know, don't, don't, don't just leave it up to one person because that one person will eventually fall for a trick. We all do. There's not a single person working in security today who hasn't fallen for a phishing attack. It, it, it's happened. Either we've fallen for the, the game theory phishing attacks because somebody's sending, you know, sending around tests, or we've actually been phished. There's no shame in admitting that. So it's, it's a thing to where, you know, try to, to stress awareness and, and a broken record time, understanding what normal is and what deviations from that norm looks like. Yeah, I think uh, I think awareness is is a good one. Um, I, I like the challenge thing. I, I think it's, it's it's good to stress too, like challenging over a different medium, because as you said, if if you try to like respond to an email, <laughs> and if they're already like if it's coming from the CEOs or some other person's internal email address, like we've been talking about, they could be in there like responding to people. Yeah. So like going up to the person, or like you said, calling them and and not calling them from their email, but calling them from. Um, like a, a directory or something. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, this goes back to the, 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 <laughs> this goes back to the group that was targeting me and, and some of my coworkers. Um, this same group has been around since like late 2016 and best estimate is they're responsible for about 30,000 attempts, uh, since last June from last June to like last, um, last October. So 30,000 attempts between June and October of 2017, probably more now if we were to run it up to, to today. But they were very persistent in how they went about it. So they would send a campaign and if you didn't do anything with that original email, you'd see another email and you'd see another email and then they would follow up. 
like I got an email that said I needed to update my inbox. This is the email. It tells me I need to update my inbox. And when I did nothing with that email, they literally sent me a second one and said, this is the second mail we have sent you. We recommend you update your mailbox now. And it's thanks, 2017 mail update. That's literally all it is. And when you click the, if you follow the link that's in that email, it goes to somebody's legitimate blog that's been compromised and the kit, it was just sitting right there. And when I say kit, I don't mean their landing page where they wanted me to enter my credentials. I mean, their whole kit was right there. So I have a copy of their fishing kit and now I know what it looks like and I know how it's set up and how it works. And, um, I'll just say his name. It's been since 2017. There's a guy named Junie who calls himself a uh, hot hacking thug and he has a Gmail account where all of these credentials are sent and he lost access to that account in like November because, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to not report this guy. So it, it was pretty funny to see like this kid's mastermind empire just completely crumble around him. But the kid itself is so basic. It's so simple. There is not a lot of, of hard code that goes into this. It's a basic, you know, PHP mailer script, a nice template that looks like 0365 and a, a little text file that stores all the credentials and, you know, the basic browser header stuff that comes from every visit. Now, what's really funny about this, though, is I started searching for that kit and found it on sale somewhere for like 100 bucks. That's literally all it takes is 100 bucks, and you can start doing, you know, 30,000 attacks in a couple of months. And out of those attacks, quite a few of them have been successful. I mean, attempts are different than, you know, successes, but at the same time, you know, all you need really is one. And if you're going after, you know, harvesting credentials to sell later, or if you're going after wire fraud, I mean, one victim is enough to pay for that hundred bucks for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the kit, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something I wanted to dive into a little bit more as far as like, what are, like, are these written in something? Like, is it just PHP. a web scraper? It's so it's PHP. Yeah, it's, it's all PHP. It's all okay. PHP. And then like, I, like how do they use this kit and like how is it like hosted so the the kit itself is basically a straight up uh, script that you drop into a folder it's PHP um, it comes with its own HT access so you're supposed to not be able to uh, see the, the the home directory you're only supposed to go to the session ID that's generated per per email um, they track you by your email address so when you click the link uh, the email address contains a a unique 24 digit code plus your email address. And so that's how they're logging you. The code just makes it look like it's legitimate. It really serves no purpose at all, but that's where they know who's clicking on what, which probably explains why I got a lot of emails because I was clicking them, or at least that's what they thought because I'm literally, you know, following those links as presented. So it would read as you know, I clicked through and that, that's another funny story on its own. But so, We've got this, this, this kit, and what had happened in Junie's case was he had deleted the HT access file. Because when you open the zip file that comes with, you know, the kit sold as a zip, and then you extract it, and you just take the folder inside it, drop it into your directory. Well, he had deleted the HT access file, and I'm thinking it's because he broke the website he had compromised to host it, 
with that HT access file somehow. And so he deleted it to make a script work and he was happy. Just, you know, he never turned off indexing. So ta-da, zip file. Um, but the zip file itself, it's, you know, it's like four or five files and it's pretty basic. Um, all of the images needed for the templates are actually pulled directly from the actual sources. So when you see the Microsoft logos and everything like that, it's coming from Microsoft. It's literally loading, you know, these legitimate. So if you were to actually try to check one of the, the images, the funny part is, is it'll pull up the image from Microsoft. <laughs> but if you look at the URL, it's completely not. So there, there's some, you know, visual cues or red flags that stand out. But for the most part, it's just a basic PHP script that they host on our website they've compromised. Um, I found predominantly WordPress websites that have been abandoned. Um, some that were current, but they were using really vulnerable um, add-ons to, to jump into the website. So, like, one guy had a calendar app that was vulnerable. Another one was using a vulnerable version of all-in-one SEO, which is a really popular SEO script for WordPress. Um, there's just little add-ons, little modules that were vulnerable. That That's how they're getting in. They just find vulnerable websites, and then that's where they host them. And the thing is, because these websites are usually unknown. They have no negative reputation against, mm -hmm. you know, spam registers and things. So they bypass your filters immediately. Well, they're about to get a negative rating <laughs> at some point. Those sites do get like burned eventually. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, usually a, a kit like this, um, those websites last for about 48 hours and then they're gone. Right. But I mean, I've there's never, so many out there. Like there's yeah. so many dead sites out there. It doesn't even matter. It's, and Oh, Oh, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, there's it's they burn one and just move to another, and it's it takes them no time at all to set that up. In fact, actually, I think uh, at least in Junie's case, he had three websites he was running from because within the span of three days, I got three different email addresses from him, and it was the same kit. And when you looked at the kit, and it was the same uh, configuration file, same name, same Google uh, Gmail address. And in all three cases, he had deleted the HD access file. So it just left himself Dope. exposed. Dope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, some criminals are extremely dedicated and smart, and some are just out for the hustle, and they're not really thinking about protecting their asset, I guess. But it made it really easy to report them. It made it really easy to get a hold of the ISPs where these websites are being hosted, and they you know, they, they did the right thing and cleaned up the, the websites for their customers. So it was a, a good thing. Um, I'm really surprised. I haven't seen any server hijackings. Right. You know, to where they drop a shell on a server and affect every website on it. I have not seen any of that. But I know it's entirely possible, so it wouldn't shock me to see that. Yeah, because I think you, you go look up some of these these websites, these WordPress websites, and they're they're hosted with like a thousand other Websites. Well, and maybe that's it. Is that because then you're talking about it coming from a single IP. So that's a, I guess that would be an easier block for like a blue team or something is to just grab that yep. IP versus having to, if you scatter it across multiple websites with multiple IP addresses, it makes it just a little bit harder. Yep. Actually, uh, the, the really, there was a, a rule set that I implemented on one of my boxes that flagged an email and then moved it to, um, Basically, it, instead of the junk folder, it goes to this thing called phishing. And it's just, you know, mark as red and leave it there. Um, it's the way the links are, are, are phrased when they, they come in. It's like uh, the domain slash, and then it's got your email address, 
equal sign question mark, you know what I'm saying? Like how, how they format that out for PHP. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like libs slash pro slash question mark email equals your email address. So libs slash pro question mark, that right there flagged every one of his messages when they came in. Every single one of them and others after him who were using the same kit. So spotting patterns like that for blue team is a really easy way to start filtering things out. You can do that. Yeah. What what are some other recommendations you have for blue teams trying to defend against this? I mean, we've already talked about like the awareness and yeah. uh, So the the awareness is still going to be your big key, but like, you know, filtering out the emails, um, maybe highlight and flag extra exclamation. A lot of times they add like, you know, tons of exclamation points or other, you know, characters to the email that just aren't normal and don't really need to be there. So maybe throw a warning up on them or, you know, dump them to, to junk immediately. Um, look out for emails that are coming from domains you normally don't associate with. Um, and by that, I mean the, the actual country code, the TLD from there. Um, if you're not dealing with Brazil or you're not dealing with Kazakhstan, you don't need to see emails from them. So just, you know, filter that out, stop it from coming in. Um, I would also consider doing something on the back end to where you have aliases and these aliases are what get um, put up in the public. Like instead of having support at domain, go to an actual person that goes to a team because when you have more eyes on the same thing, that does actually help you, you know, catch a lot of this stuff if no one's paying attention. Um, that actually, that saved us in one instance. Uh, there was an email that came in and I didn't catch it cause I hadn't checked my email that day, but somebody else caught it, reported it to it. And then it sent an email to everybody in the company. And it turns out it wasn't just CSO that got hit by that. Everybody did. And it was just one of those things that we were able to caught, but because the alias went to a team, that's why it stood out. So that does work. Although as team aliases does kind of increase overhead, which is a bad thing, but you know, your results may vary, may vary. All right, cool. What resources are available for learning more about BEC attacks? So I write about it a lot all the time. You can catch me at CSO online and uh, you can see me at Steve D3 on Twitter. I usually talk about the interesting kits and things I find, but also uh, visit the IC3. Um, They have extensive resources on BEC attacks. The FBI has been pretty vigilant in informing the public and business owners about this. And of course, if you have a a local ISSA or uh, InfraGuard chapter, Pop in, talk to them, get to know some people, make some friends because dealing this, dealing with this as a, a, a bigger whole rather than trying to do it individually, it's going to be a lot easier for you because you're not alone when you see these attacks. Your peers have had them too, and some of them have fallen victim to it. Learn from their lessons. That's going to be a huge boom. All right. Well, uh, what, what, what can we plug for you? I know you kind of plugged some stuff. Was there anything else? Oh, the first weekend of June, come to Indianapolis to Circle City Con. You're going to love it. Come hang out with hackers in the Circle City. Talk about BC. <laughs> yes, come find me. We'll talk about BC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you for joining me to discuss BEC attacks. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm.